We respectfully acknowledge the Boon Wurrung and Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation, paying our respects to their elders past and present. I'm Honey, and I'm we Camille. are Team Spirits. Team Spirits. Together. Yeah. <laughs> cool. This week, we are talking about what the fuck mysteries or murders. Or yeah, what, it's like what a what the, the fuck, fuck episode. Kind of yeah. yeah. Just the weirdest kind of things that we have, like, heard of. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've disappointed myself. In my story. Oh, really? Because usually oh. I do the gore. Usually I do like the full on, like, I'm doing terrifying. That I know. I Don't think you switched, worry. I think we've switched um, places because I'm places. doing more paranormal yeah. kind of. Ooh. Okay. I'm so like excited that. for that. Mine, um, I kind of did the same thing that I did last week. Like, I didn't end up writing it out, but I've just got like my websites up and I like mm-hmm. have it in my head, like, what I'm going to read. Cool. Um, but my favorite murder did cover the one that I'm doing. So oh, did they? Oh, good. Yeah, Yay. Karen covered it already. But like, mm-hmm. I was just like, it's just the one thing that like, I'm just like, oh my god, what the fuck? That's so fucked up. It's. I don't think it's the one that you think it is though. I can tell what you think it is. It's not that one. Yeah, no, it's not that. But it's just like the most fucked up. It. Oh, I have a few that are pretty fucked up. But this one is just like. And they all the um all of the like stories that I wanted to do had already been covered by my favorite murder, but I picked this one because I just was like, it's so weird in so many ways. That's so good. So, Mine's like, it's it made me go like, ooh, what the fuck, but not like, yeah, ugh, yeah. what the fuck. Yeah, okay. I, I, I like more, ugh, what the fuck, not oh, yeah. what the fuck's going on <laughs> <But> here? <laughs> they both have their places, like you know, yeah, you need yeah. a bit of both in your life. I think exactly mix it I think up that's a little. The, Mm-hmm. the best thing yeah um yeah and I guess I'm going first this week do we yes. have any corrections as well I don't think I think we we're good I don't think we did anything. I didn't get any texts from my mom this week so yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah actually little thing that like the echo was really bad in the last one yeah um because I needed to cut it out because for some reason Camille's computer just picks up the the, the sound of my voice <laughs> um yeah Cool. I saw Camille today already because I dropped off some pants, which was nice. Your house. <laughs> Everyone buy Camille's pants. Go on Depop, Urban <laughs> Arcade, and They've grab never some. Been They're worn. really nice. They've never been Rollers. Worn. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, your house looks really nice, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. We're very happy with the house. We're renovating the yes. house at the moment. Looks so. great. It looks lovely. Looks so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, should I, should we get yes, into it? Yes, I'm very excited. Okay, okay, I haven't, I'm just going to try and do, oh, my mm-hmm. sources, I'm going to just minimize, minimize you over here, actually, I'll just minimize you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. My sources are Wikipedia, yeah. um, the, uh, I don't want to say the name of it, but a Vice article, mm-hmm. um, Murderpedia. <laughs> oh, it's going to be good if it's on Vice. <laughs> yes. it. Oh, it's really weird. Okay. Yeah. Murderpedia. Um, an article by Catherine Ramsland. I'm not going to say the name of it yet. Um, and I'm so excited. Yeah. I get all jittery before. I know. I feel like I want to do this story justice and I didn't want to copy like Karen, but I haven't listened to it in like, I don't know, like eight months or something. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think I will. But yeah, I just, I'm trying to like make it so it sounds good okay so let me just I just want to bring you back a little bit and put you in the corner (laughs) (laughs) nobody puts Um, baby in the corner (laughs) I was literally thinking that I was just thinking that yes just so I can see you kind of okay so I'm gonna start with the um the early life of this individual okay (laughs) okay so it's just gonna say I'm just gonna say the name Uh uh-huh Actually, I don't. I didn't even watch a video to find out if I'm going to say it correctly, but I'm just going to say how mm-hmm. I say I'll it. I'll correct you. You say Sagawa. You say Sagawa. <laughs> you say Sagawa. Uh-huh. He's Japanese. Yeah. Um, so it's a Japanese name, so I'm I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'll, I'll check it out and then maybe in the next episode, like, um, if, I, if I'm saying it wrong, I'll correct myself. Mm-hmm. So um, Issei Sagawa was born on the 26th of April, uh, 1949 in Kobe. Is it Kobe or Kobe? Hyogo Prefecture. 
let me just yeah k-o-b-e it's the seventh largest city in japan um kobe or kobe i'm not sure i think maybe kobe i think kobe i think kobe i don't know sorry <laughs> i'll just skip <laughs> over that kobe, so it's kobe, kobe. Okay? it's kobe so issei sagawa was born uh in kobe uh, to wealthy parents. Sagawa's father, Akira Sagawa, was a businessman who had served as president of Kurita, um, Kurita Water Industries, and his grandfather had been an editor of the Asahi Shimbun. So I guess that's a like maybe a newspaper. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. it's a one of the national news one of the five national newspapers in Japan. So they're well off. They're a pretty wealthy family, pretty yeah. well to do. Um, Sagawa was born prematurely. Uh, apparently when he was born, he was so small that he could fit in the palm of his father's hand. So he was like a tiny little bean. Have you heard of this as well, Camille? Do you know it? Familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. The name sounds familiar. I think I know what it's going to be, but I can't be sure. Yep. So, um... Yeah, he could. He was born very, very prematurely, and he immediately developed enteritis. Uh, yeah, enteritis. I think that's how you pronounce a disease of the small intestine. Um, Sagawa eventually recovered after several injections of potassium and calcium and saline. Um, he had very fragile health and was very introverted, which led him to develop a really strong uh, interest in literature because he just liked to read and like do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm going to skip to the Vice article. So that was Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, where, oopsies, I just reloaded the page. Where he himself actually talks a little bit about, like, what he was like as a young person. Which I find, <laughs> I find, um, I do find it a little bit, what's the word? Like, I don't like it. A bit, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't mm-hmm. like when, um, I don't know. I'll just keep reading. You don't Hearing like it from when... the in, when you hear from the individuals themselves, like the sorry, obviously it's a murder. I was mm-hmm. like, maybe like, should I not give it away? Yeah, when you hear from the murderers themselves, like, I just don't like. I'm like, stop defend. Like, I don't know. There's like they romanticize themselves in a way, or yeah. they defend themselves, and it just really narcissism. disgusts me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the narcissistic personality that plays yep. into it and so this guy is full-on a narcissist and so it makes me feel a bit yucky yeah but I think it's it's interesting as well mm-hmm. okay so um let's scroll down so Vice uh you know um interviewing him mm-hmm. he says I was physically weak from the moment I was born my legs were so skinny they looked like pencils it was in the first grade of elementary school when I saw the quivering meat on a male classmate's thigh and I suddenly thought mm, that looks delicious oh but, my I'm God. Not hom- <laughs> but I'm not homosexual so from around the time I entered junior high school I became obsessed with the western actress Grace Kelly an obsession oh, I that remember lasted- this Sorry, yeah. I remember it now. It's oh, all yeah. coming back. <laughs> <laughs> An obsession that lasted right through high school. That was the beginning of my infatuation with Occidental people or Occidental. I looked it up. I don't know how you pronounce it. I, I think know. it's Occidental. O-C-C-I-D-E-N-T-A-L. Um, it just means like, um, it means like Western, like Western people. Oh, okay. Like Western oh. women, white women, white people. Um. So, yeah, he had an obsession with, like, white women and he was particularly obsessed with Grace Kelly. Um, He says, before I knew it, tall, healthy-looking Western women became the trigger for my cannibalistic fantasies. I guess my infatuation was with um, with such women stemmed from the fact that I was short, ugly, and had an inferiority complex and therefore sought people who were the exact opposite of myself. Like, okay. Um... (laughs) I'm going to come back to this article as well. Uh-huh. So, yeah, when he was younger, he he definitely started to experience some cannibalistic desires. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cutie. he, yeah, but he basically just like, oh, it also says as well, this is really, really gross. This is a warning if like just for terrible like animal abuse-ness. 
um, which is such a trip, like a thing. But he reportedly, um, as a youth, partook in bestiality with his dog. And then he, oh and like, that was one of the things that also like triggered some like cannibalistic things and stuff as well, like sex and like eating or something. I don't know. So yeah, that's really fucked up. I don't know even how that would work, but anyway, um, he, and then it just goes on to say he attended the Waco University and completed a master's degree in English literature um, in the Kwansei uh, Gukain University. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> a university. Um, so while he was at the university, when he was 24, he followed a tall German woman home. He broke into her apartment while she was sleeping. His intent was to cannibalize her by slicing off part of her buttocks and sneaking away with a small part of her flesh. But she awoke and Sagawa claims pushed him to the ground. Sagawa was captured by police and charged with attempted rape, but did not confess his true intentions to the authorities. Sagawa's charges of attempted rape were dropped when his father paid a settlement to the victim. So, because he was so rich and everything. Yeah, like, just and also, with everything. Yeah, I just wonder as well, like, because um, he only committed, that we know of, one murder, and there's been nothing else about, like, other things that he's done except mm-hmm. for that one reported one because it was found oh, by police yeah. so I wonder like how many women did he follow like did he actually like get away Tons. with doing things did he kill yeah. other people and we don't know about it you know I wouldn't um be surprised. and it's in like the 70s so it's like you know who knows maybe it just and he's got rich parents he's wealthy just covered it. so yeah um so in 1977 at the age of 27, Sagawa moved to France to pursue a PhD in literature at the Sorbonne, Sorbonne's Bonnet in Paris. Um, yeah, Sorbonne, that's probably correct. Sagawa has said that while residing in Paris, almost every night I would bring a prostitute home and try to shoot them. But for some reason, oh my, my fingers froze up and I couldn't pull the trigger. So, yeah. That's good. Uh, sounds like a lovely guy. Yeah. Definitely quite unique. Um, and I'd just like to add as well, he, um, he's like at this time, he's only five foot eight inches. I should laugh, but I'm just imagining the point. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I say five? I'm, he's he's four. four foot. Okay. Four foot eight. Yeah. No, that's actually five tall. Five foot eight is not bad. I was thinking no, that's four good. as well, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. know what you said. You know, five foot eight, like that's, you good, you said, but like, no, so he's, He's tiny, like Four. he's yeah. way. She's shorter than us by like. What are you? You're five, five three or five four? Five four. Like me. Yeah, same. Yeah, five four. So he's yeah, he's four foot eight. Like he's <laughs> little he's really small. <laughs> I know. Do you know um, the Rumpelstiltskin yeah. guy from Shrek? That character. No. Oh, that's just think. who I'm imagining. Oh, uh-huh. I can't imagining. think. A little bit. I feel like there's red hair, in the back big of my nose. Head. Narcissistic no, personality. Maybe it's just him. <laughs> yeah. Probably, we'll just we'll just call it. Um, so yeah, now I'm gonna skip to Murderpedia because there's a really, really good um a really good article that was mm-hmm. uh, published on there. So I'm gonna start reading and it's by Catherine Ramsland. So this is pretty much like all her words because she's okay. written it really well and it's very like, you know. Good. So yeah. okay. as she said, um he was a short man, just under five feet tall. His hands and feet were small, and even his voice was more like that of a girl. He had mentioned in some interviews that he wasn't the kind of man most women would find attractive, because he always calls himself ugly and, like, he's very Mm -hmm. self-depreciating, and summarized that being acutely self-conscious of his shortcomings might have fueled his obsession with the perfect woman. Yeah, well, you know, like, get over yourself. Just because you're (laughs) ugly doesn't mean you fucking kill people. Yeah. Um, Like, I hate that. Like, that's just such a, what a piece of shit. It's like, what is me? I know he's like oh life is so hard for me like I'm so little and like it makes me sad I just I have to like kill someone like you cut people up no it's just not okay it doesn't matter if you're short I'm short you know it's just that's how it goes um so basically um while studying at the Sencia Institute in Paris. So I think the other one said a different institute, but maybe he was, maybe they've got different names or he's mm-hmm. moving around, moving he's around. studying. He's he's like a literature, like, 
king. Like, I think, like, he's quite <laughs> well-respected in, like, what he's doing. Like, he has a PhD um, and all that stuff and he, mm-hmm. like, and he's rich and everything. So, yeah. So, while studying at the Sensia Institute in Paris in 1981, Sagawa spotted another tall, beautiful Northern European woman, Renee Hart- Hartevelt. 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 <laughs> yes. Um, he says that when he sat next to her in, a, in class, he fell instantly in love and just could not stop thinking about the white skin on her arms. So she was the perfect woman for what he wanted to do. But this time he had to be more careful. He had to be ready. Renee was 25, blonde and independent. She spoke three languages and had a bright future. It's so sad. With the aim of getting a PhD in French literature, Sagawa asked her to teach him German, and since his father was quite wealthy, he could pay her well. She accepted. According to him, she liked his obvious intelligence and ability to discuss everything from Impressionist paintings to Shakespeare to European literature. He wrote her love letters and invited her to concerts and exhibits. He was small, feminine, and walked with a limp, yet... She often went with him and invited him to her, her apartment for tea. They even danced together, allowing Sagawa a more physical sense of his fantasies. He found these Nordic women overpowering, and even as he claimed he loved them, he wanted to possess and destroy them. Like, he's, like, so threatened so by them. Yeah, it's disgusting. So it's really disgusting. He's so, like, threatened and, like... um feels so inferior to them like and he's like oh I love them but he just doesn't love them he's just like obsessed with the fact that he's nothing like them and so he wants to destroy them to make him feel better and like yeah I don't know it's just really it's really weird but I was gonna say as well like I think I think Karen covered this but like apparently like she was a really really lovely person and like um she felt really sorry for him because like he had like, this is what her friend said, because this mm-hmm. is kind of more from his perspective. Apparently, yeah. like, her friend said, like, you know, um, a lot of people thought he was very strange because he was so physically different and, like, mm-hmm. um, interesting looking, interesting in behavior, in his voice, in his height and everything. And she was kind of like, oh, I don't want to be someone who's going to exclude you because you're different. Like, she wanted to make sure that he was included. And, like, her friend said she would often invite him to, like, go to the movies with them and when they were doing stuff and they'd be like, really like you're gonna invite him like kind of a bit like Mm. just kind of shitty but she was like no 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 like he really needs to you know make more friends and stuff and like she was just trying to help him like get integrated into like their friendship groups and to like help get rid of the judgment yeah so she had like very good intentions like she was she was trying to give him a chance because she didn't want like to just write him off as being like weird like other people would have like done so she actually had like a really kind um heart and was yeah her intentions were really good so one day he invited Renee over to his apartment for dinner he asked her to read a poem by his favorite German expressionist which she did after she left he smelt and licked the place where she sat and vowed he would eat her and that would allow him to possess her forever soon he asked her to come over again for dinner he had a cassette recorder he said and he wanted to record her reading the poem which is weird as well like you'd just be like Okay. She accepted for the evening of June 11th, 1981, and Sagawa prepared himself to act out his ultimate fantasy. Upon arriving in Paris, he purchased a 22 caliber rifle for self-protection. I've got air quotes for anyone hmm. listening. He had I it ready for Renee. Me, I was just like, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course you can see, but other people can't Podcast. See. I forget. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he had it ready when Renee arrived. He seated her on the floor, Japanese style, to drink tea. Um, into her drink, he put some whiskey to make her more pliant, which is really cool. Mm, they talked for a while um, as Sagawa waited for the whiskey to have its effect. Then he told Renee that he loved her and wanted to take her to bed. She resisted him. She found him engaging but not sexually attractive. She wanted only to be his friend. Sagawa nodded. He then got up uh, to get the book of poetry while Renee sat on his ch- on a chair. Sagawa handed the poem to Renee to read and started the recorder. While Renee recited the poem in her native language, Sagawa came up behind her with his rifle and shot her in the back of the neck. She fell so off the chair. So that's on record? Like that's recorded? I think it must be, hey. Unless they yeah. erased it. Probably. You can probably mm. listen to it. Oh. She fell off the chair. He continued to talk to her 
but she failed to answer. He was surprised by how quiet it was. Then he noticed the amount of blood that flowed out of her wound. At first, he attempted to clean it up, and then he finally gave up. So he <sighs> so then did he try and clean up the wound or just the mess that it made? The blood. Like, did he I try think and the save blood. her? I think. Okay. Nah, I think he just started to like clean it up but maybe his intention wasn't like maybe he was just trying to wound her so she just but it sounds like it's pretty clear if you shoot someone in the back of the neck yeah it's, I mean um, kind of you know that's like usually indicative of like trying to murder someone yeah but yeah anyway let's keep going it gets a lot worse yeah. so he then <laughs> oh it's just so fucked this is a real like what the fuck like yeah seriously this one what the fuck? So he then undressed her, finding it difficult to remove clothing from a corpse. But he was pleased that now she could no longer refuse his advances. She belonged to him. Then he got a knife and used it to cut the tip of her left. Oh my god, I haven't even read through all of this. This is a tr- okay. If you're like, this is this is a warning. Like if you're really bad with like gore and like really fucked up shit. Um, he got a knife and he cut the tip of her breast and a piece of her nose off and he ate oh, them. No. I know. Um, it's so like, it's me- like my, Graphic. I'm having like a really visceral reaction mm. in my body. Can um, I just say, I had a very visceral <clears throat> reaction to a possum last night. It was like, <laughs> it was what on, our, it was on like, our, my dog like ran straight into the garden and I was like, what's he doing? Cause he was going nuts. And I saw uh-huh. this thing run across the lawn and it was a possum. So I went out to like tell my dog to shut up. And then the <laughs> possum kind of, we've got like this um, thing on our deck, like where like mm-hmm. ivy can grow over, um, but there's no ivy at the moment. And then this so possum. Is it like, like the lattice, like the lacy looking stuff? Not, it's is like it just is? ugly. Oh. Uh, it's the same thing, but just ugly. Um, and oh, okay. the possum like went up onto the roof and it's long, lanky little tail just like hung down. And I was on the ground <laughs> just going, oh, Ugh, really? Ugh. And I couldn't. I like never had that kind of reaction before, and I like it grossed you under. out. Yeah, That's I could really not look weird. under it because of how like the tail looked. Just thinking about it now makes me oh go, "Oh my god, that's so funny, Camille. That's weird. Not as I bad love as your story, but no, I I not too, quite but the that same tail, level. That tail really set it me grossed off. you out. That's yeah. weird. It's I've funny never how, been like, that like grossed out before. It was weird. Do you like like mice and rats and stuff? I mean, they're not my favorite thing, but I yeah, don't, like hate them. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't, I don't have that with most things, but maybe maybe it's yet to come. <laughs> maybe yeah. I will have an experience I, I like that. I thought I was a possum yeah. fan, but obviously but not. Not no. Okay, well, back to the this the slightly <laughs> less disturbing <laughs> story. Um, okay. I touched her hip, he later wrote in his fictional account in The Fog, and wondered where I should bite first. He oh. chose her right buttock, and but he found it to be difficult to bite into and then realised he had a headache. Okay. Cool, uh, he then, Yeah, aw. He then went, <laughs> Yeah, go get some Nurofen. He then went on to describe moment by moment the appearance of her, her fat and her muscle and the taste of it. Uh... Okay, this is pretty intense. Um, as the fat oozed out of one stab wound, Sagawa said it had the consistency and appearance of yellow corn. He smelt it and found that it had no older odor. Cutting deeper to find the flesh he had pa- placed, um, find cutting deeper to find the flesh he placed a chunk into his mouth. It melted in my mouth like raw tuna in a sushi restaurant. Oof. Like, do you think that's really what it would taste like? A bomb? Sure. Like. I haven't I thought like, much about it. No, I haven't either. <laughs> I mean, like, tastes like that's chicken, just kind of good. Like... <laughs> that's about like crocodile. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. This is, yeah. To him, there was nothing more delicious. And he looked into Renee's dead eyes to tell her so. He was ecstatic now that he had indulged himself in his fantasy. He had this gorgeous body all to himself. It had taken him until the age of 32 to consummate his desires, but he had done it. Like, I, I kind of don't like the way this is written. Like, it's written well, but also it's like he's... Well, this it adds into the, the kind of second part of the story after this is mm. all finished. Um, but, yeah, he's extremely glorified for what he's yeah. done. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'll get into that soon. Anyway, so um, he used an electric carving knife 
and began to cut Rene into parts. He laid out strips of flesh to store for later and nibbled on a few pieces raw. Then he made a quick meal of fried human flesh with mustard. He took photographs of the mutilated corpse and had sex with it. When I hug her, he recorded, she lets out a breath. <gasps> so I don't, yeah. He told Probably her that he her loved her. Kind of yeah, just like, yeah. Um, as he cooked and ate more of her remains, he listened to the recording that he had made of her reading the poem. When he was finished, he used her underwear as a napkin to wipe his mouth and then returned to her body to cut off a breast and bake it, but disliked the greasy consistency. Oh my God. Um, he found that he preferred thighs. When he finally felt, um, exhausted, he took what was left of the corpse into his bed to sleep with it. He knew that in the morning he would have to prepare to get rid of the evidence. The next day, finding that the body did not yet smell, he continued to try parts of it, in particular the arm that had so fascinated him that he had looked at while they were in class. Mm. Um, he chewed on, on it all the way from the underarm to the elbow. I had no idea that it would taste so good. I feel like this is just so weird because that would just, I feel like it would just be disgusting. Like that is like the true, like, do you know what I mean? Like eating someone's like, eating raw meat of like any animal but then, like, particularly, like, a human, I feel like it would just be disgusting. So, like, how he must be so, like, unwell to think that it tastes oh, like yeah. the best thing he's ever eaten. Like, you know, well, like, it's, it's fantasy. Like, so weird. It's yeah, it's so up weird. Completely. Like, it has to be. Yeah, it has to be good. Um, for him, I mean. Sagawa yeah. was curious <laughs> about it. Yeah, not, not for anyone else. Let's try Sagawa it. Was, yeah oh my god no it's like it really is I mean I think for everyone but like cannibalism like your story last mm. week I, this is very similar kind of oh yeah like, I, I, I did just, cannibalism last yeah week. I know I yeah. know and so I was like oh it's kind of going along on that but yeah the it there's something about it that just like really freaks me out because I just I think like I even if I was like stranded on a deserted island like I can't even imagine doing that that would just mm, be no. like the most fucked up thing i think i'd rather die i think um, also with this story because it's so like he's sexualizing just the flesh yeah and like yeah chunks of it and stuff rather um, than eating it's it not because it's food it's like it's pleasurable to him that's what's so like oh about it yeah okay this next part is really like i feel so bad because it's like she's a person and mm. not like just a corpse but to him obviously she is so that's what I have to talk about but yeah um he was curious about a few of the other body parts that seemed more repulsive he hesitated over what to do but decided to indulge so he cut out her anus and then he put it in his mouth but he didn't like it he said it was too strong and so he spat it out and then he tried frying it um but he ended up giving up and just returned to the body which is so fucked up like I just can't even I cannot I just cannot Okay, um, so by this time, several large flies had, you know, been swarming around the corpse. It has been, like, nearly two days. Um, he's he's taken it as a sign that he has now lost Renee, he said, and he says, the like, quote, the honeymoon was over. Oh. So, yeah. He used a hatchet to chop her into pieces that would fit into the suitcase that he'd bought specifically for this purpose. Um, yeah, even as he dismembered her, he grew excited, so he... he Oh, he used her hand to masturbate. Then this is just like the most like fucked up story. Um, He chewed on her nose and heard the nose of the cartilage crunching. Since he'd often thought about chewing her lip, he removed it, set it aside and would later keep it to to eat or for his pleasures. So like eating or whatever. Um, I want her tongue too, he said in his fictional account. I can't open her lower jaw, but I can reach in between her teeth. Finally, it comes out. He cut it off, popped it into his mouth and watched himself chewing it in the mirror and then he went for the eyes. The final step for Sagawa was to explore the internal organs which stung his hands with digestive acid and then he used the hatchet to cut off her head. With so many parts removed, it looked like a, it looked like a skull. He grabbed the hair and hung the head in front of him and experienced um, that in retrospect caused him to say, I realised that I am a cannibal. So it, you realise then, like after then. all of that, when it's you like, took oh, her head off... I'm oh. a cannibal. Oh, fuck. I really <laughs> That's am. That's what like, it's called. After you literally <laughs> ate, like, every single part of her body. Um, so, yeah. He bagged up all the... Do you think he, like, kind of realised she was human then at that point, though, seeing Maybe his... I just don't think. I actually 
I actually don't think he even, but I understand what you're saying, but I don't think he couldn't have even thought of her as a human yeah. if he could have done that. And yeah. the fact that like, to me, like, like what I was just saying, like the most, all these horrible things that he's done to her and like her body parts and everything that are like, so like private and sacred and that, you know, like shouldn't be like taken from, from anyone, you know, mm. like the fact that he can do that and like, just not even think about that. Like at the, he just obviously oh, doesn't have so any concepts or empathy gross. or understanding. Yeah. yeah it's just cause um, like, I was just imagining, like, imagine if someone did that to us, like, and how, and also oh. the fact that people can read about it. Like it's just yeah. fucked. It's like horrific. This guy is just a, you know, he's a monster. Um, so he called a cab with his suitcases. He arrived at the Bois de Boulange, Bois, Bois, Bois de Boulange. Um, he lugged the suitcases into the park, intending to shove them into the pond. However, he had difficulty with the heavy suitcases because he's also tiny. Um, so just imagining like this tiny man carrying these massive suitcases, which he's got her remains in um, and struggling a lot. So he just got scared and he just could see people looking at him. So he just left the suitcases. And so the 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 place that he dumped them, it's like a big mm-hmm. park in like Paris I'm pretty sure and it has yeah. like it has like a pond and like there's a cafe like a a, a waterfront cafe like right there mm-hmm. and so he just like got freaked out because everyone was staring at him like in the cafe and all around and yeah. so he just left them he just left them like on the side of the pond like I not mean, even what in a red the, flag I don't even know why you would um like just keep walking pretend you're know. just coming yeah. from like the airport why would you decide to dump it there um, he just left the suitcases, but there was just so heavy. So he just was like struggling. Martin Gale reports. So I'm not sure. Maybe Martin Gale was the person, like the, one of the investigators reports. Yeah. Um, oh, this was actually like a journalist. Okay. I'm not going to say, mm-hmm. um, oh, actually I do. I already said it. Martin Gale reports in <laughs> cannibal killers. We know he's a cannibal. I don't know why I was like, oh, I just keep that little secret. <laughs> um, Martin Gale reports in cannibal killers that a couple went closer and saw a female hand protruding from one of the bloodstained oh, no. cases. So they called the police. Police opened the suitcases, found the remains and began the task of tracing the bags back to the purchaser. In the meantime, Sagawa returned to his apartment to enjoy the, enjoy the pieces of Rene that he had put into the refrigerator. As he ate another gruesome meal, he thumbed through some pornography. Each day of his remaining freedom, he ate another piece, claiming later in his redemption that it became sweeter with time. Um, yeah, so they um, they basically found the, um, I'm pretty sure they, they found like the purchaser of the bags, which was his name. And also like they had eyewitnesses and like the person was like, hey, <laughs> little Japanese man in like Paris, I feel like he would kind of stand out. Um, and so, yeah, they, like, he's quite distinctive. And so they found that and then they got a search warrant and, um, they got let in and they, the police came in. Sagawa was like, yes, come in. Like he knew it was coming. They opened the refrigerator and they found pieces of female, Mm -hmm. of the female body inside, including her lips. Um, he freely confessed what he had done, adding that he had a history of mental illness. So he's just like, yeah, I did it. Oh yeah. I have some like mental illness. Um, just in case you hadn't already realized. Um, (laughs) and his details were so descriptive, detailed, salacious, obviously, because I've just read them. Like those are from his account. Like he's openly told like us he's so proud of readers. himself yeah yeah like that's that was his ultimate goal in life and he achieved it um that the judge just decided that because of his detail like the way he was so detailed in his descriptions that he was just completely not competent are you okay <laughs> oh sorry there's someone at my gate oh uh-oh they've just walked away i don't know oh. what they're doing oh i think they must have been talking to mickey Oh, just like, <laughs> um, yeah, so the judge decided that he was just not competent to stand trial at all and that he was just clearly delusional. So mm-hmm. he received a sentence of incarceration for an indefinite period um, in an asylum in the Paul Gourad Asylum. Um, three psychiatrists, chi- chi- <laughs> psychiatrists. <laughs> Why did I? Um, oh, no. Three psychiatrists who evaluated him said that he would never be cured. 
Um, and so he spent time in that establishment, mm-hmm. but basically, um, according to Brian King, who edited Lust, Lust Maud, while in the hospital, Sagawa corresponded with several members of the Japanese literary, um, or literati, yeah, literati, who sent him books, um, about other cannibals. And he said, I realized I was not so unusual. Like, so people were like... <sighs> here you go have a read about yourself he also said that he'd learnt on how to go about such a crime without getting arrested he learnt that while he was in his like stay at this place it pays to be rich yeah it pays to be rich and his father Akira Sagawa president of Kurita Water Industries in Tokyo eventually worked out a deal in 1984 so this is like I think it's like two years after or like a year and a half or whatever, to have Sagawa transferred to a psychiatric hospital in Japan. Um, the superintendent there believed that he was sane and that he ought to be in prison. Um, so he was like, no, he's not like mentally, like, you know, may- obviously he has some issues, but he felt like he would be okay to be in prison. Um, and he remained there for only 15 months before he was granted his freedom oh in God. August 1985 thanks to his father and very much against the advice of the superintendent. So after killing a woman and consuming her remains, Sagawa was able to go freely about in society only five years after the crime. Okay, so it was five years. So that's fucking nothing. Like, so he spent, like, he spent, like, two years, um, two or three years in one, like, psychiatric institution and then another two mm-hmm. in one in Japan. And then they they let him go free because his dad was rich and like somehow organized a deal and there was something to do with like I think let me just check my Wikipedia reference it said something um it said that um there was a reason why they yeah so in in so he had like an amazing lawyer by expensive lawyer um so he was held for two years awaiting the trial which i think was at the institution that he was at Mm -hmm. and then he was found legally insane and unfit to stand trial by the french judge who ordered him indefinitely to a mental institution and then um after that like they they didn't need to like psychologists declared him sane and found that they found the psychologist decided that sexual perversion was the sole motivation for his murder so it was like a sex crime basically um, and then all his charges got dropped because maybe they paid out her family or something like that. I don't know. Like there's some weird cloudy shit going on. And mm. then he was just released. And now he's, he remains free to this day. He is totally fine. So he was freed in 1985. Do you know uh, where he's living now? Yeah, I think, so he's still alive. I think he's living in Japan. Um, and his parents died and he was in 2005 and he wasn't allowed to see their go to their funeral i'm pretty sure for some reason ate them and in 2011 he did an interview with vice called who's hungry which is what i was oh, reading no yeah so <laughs> he interviewed call it that? yeah it's i don't, so good. I don't know very the writers must great. have just been like high-fiving <laughs> in the ideas yeah room. yeah um, in 2013, he was hospitalized for a cerebral infraction, which permanently damaged his um, nervous system. And now he has been released from hospital, but he's in full-time care of his brother. So he's got something going on. So, yeah, that is the story of Issei Sagawa. Oh, God. So good. And, yeah, it's so very good. So up. terrifying. What yeah. was the name of the girl? Renee, um, Renee. Hart, Hartfield, I think. Let me check. Renee, yeah, Hartveld, Hartveld, or Hartveld. Um, yeah, and you should look Poor at Renee. pictures of him, and you should read the Vice article. It's really fucked up because he talks about his own, like, he totally, like, it's actually so weird. Like, Vice are like, "Did you eat her raw?" And he's like, "Mostly, yes." At first, I bit into her butt, like all the stuff that I explained, like. It's so weird. Like, he just talks about it. Yeah. And basically what I wanted to touch on as well, just quickly, because I don't want to take too long because I think it's been a while. Um, It actually hasn't been. Oh, okay. That's good. Um, He became a celebrity when he got out. So this is the thing that is, like, super, super strange. 
Um, and I still don't really understand, but you can see like he was on talk shows, like so much stuff. He was like, you know, like included in tons of things. He wrote like a, a memoir, like mm. all this shit. So basically like um, he he was in like a, a couple of films. He's written books about the murder um, and he's written like uh, Japanese um, restaurant reviews for a magazine oh called Spa. Like they wanted him to write reviews. Um, he like now since then he can't he, at the moment like he hasn't found any publishers for his writing and he struggled to find employment. But um, yeah, I <laughs> listen to this. Sagawa was nearly accepted by a French language school because the manager was impressed by his courage to use his real name, like <laughs> to not pretend that he wasn't this person. Like he has no shame for what he did, and so he was like, "Can I be a part of this French school? Maybe like teaching or something?" <gasps> and the manager's like, "Ah." it's really good of you to like actually just be so brave and get through that. And the employees protested and he got rejected because they were like, no yeah. fucking way. And it's oh interesting because the psychologist said they thought he would never be better. Like he would never be cured of like how, like he needed to remain in an institution because he's dangerous. So, and you know how he said like, while he's in, in the institution that he learned like how he could do it again and get away with mm. it. And so, like, who's he fucking got released He's, in, like, yeah. 1985? Who's to say he hasn't done it exactly more and not been found? Yeah, so it's very fucked up. And, yeah, you can actually – you can look him up, like, talking on talk shows. And, like, in Japan, he was so popular. Like, people thought he was, like – he became, like, a celebrity, totally a celebrity. So, I yeah. mean, that, the celebrity as, aspect doesn't surprise me because I feel like we do romanticize a lot of serial killers. Sort of, like Yeah, Ted well, like Bundy right now and, we're talking about him and yeah, stuff. Exactly. But yeah. And just in general, I think serial mm. killers are like. But it's weird. Mm, are they put on a pedestal? Kind of. Like, yeah. They're we're interested. Kind of romanticized. But also demonized extremely as well. Yeah. I think. That is because true. Because this guy, like people in, like a lot of people in Japan, like actually he wasn't that demonized. Like he was actually mm, kind of like yeah. people were so interested about his crime and they were actually kind of like, Oh, like he's actually really, you know, like, wow. And he also wasn't incarcerated. So mm. it's quite different because he actually became a proper celebrity and yeah. he wasn't in prison. Like he was just out and about and like, yeah. Writing so restaurant reviews. I know. Ugh, they were insane. like, felt like he had good judgment because he had like yeah, a worldly palette. I don't know. <laughs> Something very, very wrong about that. Um, yes. But, yeah, so that was my story, and it was very oh my fucked God. up. It made me feel all, all sorts of things. Yes. That was freaky. So that was gross. That yeah. was graphic. Oh, Gory. Yeah. Sorry to everyone who listened to it, but, yeah. I'll put it's a little story, trigger though. warning maybe on the Instagram post and be like, <laughs> yeah. yours was pretty on as well last week as well yeah as well as well <laughs> yeah but that one just goes Ooh. into the details and it's just like that goes please. into details and reason i feel like mine last yeah last She's week like was less she was just nuts and criminally angry insane. and exactly she didn't really she just didn't do it with that kind of sense of ick uh, like, like and just... self sense of self like he yeah. is like so self-aware like that's that real narcissism yeah. like I feel like maybe Catherine Knight maybe wasn't as much of a yeah. narcissist do you know yeah. what I mean oh. like oh yeah, she no, is yeah. but she maybe is, but in terms of her crime exactly in that glorification of like of her crimes whereas this guy it's like he's just like this is her crime was just more amazing. like passion and rage mm. and this guy is more like this is just it's so, his dream it's his yeah fantasy. it's so premeditated mm. like years and years of thinking about this yeah yeah okay Ooh. cool let's hear yours camille a little palette cleanser this is yes. less gruesome Let okay find oh that was just <laughs> so gruesome yeah yep it's a scary one. Mm. But yeah, you should everyone should listen to the MFM episode, the My Favourite Murder episode on it. I'm not sure what which one it is, but you could probably just look it up and it'll come up. And yeah, Karen tells it really well as well. She's like good good stuff. She's so good at storytelling. Yeah, I love Karen the way she speaks. And Georgia as well. Mm, I love them both. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so my story, I pretty much did just like usually I 
do rewrite things in my own words and just kind of keep to the same kind of movement as the article but I like rework it into my own words but this week I literally just copied and pasted yeah, and maybe like added me. in like a couple <laughs> more works yeah I wasn't gonna do the, <laughs> the big stuff oh, but yeah. um the inter- introduction that I'm just about to read sorry my sister <laughs> walked into my room and waved her off <laughs> no, your face um, is like oh, fuck off silly. <laughs> not good um the introduction i'm about to read is from the podcast stuff they don't want you to know um it was literally just the bio line of their episode of this thing um they're not bio they're what's it called they're what's the thing at the end of books blurb blurb it was their blurb for the podcast which is the same thing as me but my article that i'm reading is from bbc okay Let's go. So this is the story of the Screaming Girls of Malaysia. I haven't heard of it. It's, it's like I said at the start, it's not crazy what the fuck. It's just like, oh. Ooh, what okay, the fuck? yeah. Okay. Let's go. Up and do. Ooh, la, la. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a good start. <laughs> Up and do a little bit. Okay. Up until July of 2018, 17-year-old Siti Nuranisa, Nuran, yeah, I think I said that right, Nuranisa, mm-hmm. um, was like many other kids finishing up their last year of high school. She was stressed out by exams, not sleeping well, and looking forward to getting the school over with. However, her life took a sudden, unexpected turn when a sharp tap on her shoulder sent her in a strange, nightmarish series of visions from which she could not escape. Her nearby classmates watched as she fell to the ground, screaming uncontrollably, and moments later they heard other children screaming throughout the school. Whatever happened to City appeared to be contagious, and this was not the first case of what some authorities would like to describe as a mass possession. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds good. Sorry, I'm just getting deliveries into my room. Thanks. That's okay. (laughs) What is it? It's my washing. (laughs) Ah. Okay, so this is her account of what happened. The assembly bells rang. I was at my desk feeling sleepy when I felt a hard tap on my shoulder. I turned around to see who it was and the room went dark. Fear overtook me. I felt a sharp splitting pain in the back of my head and and my head started spinning. I fell to the floor. Before I knew it, I was looking into the other world, scenes of blood, gore and violence. The scariest thing I saw was the face of pure evil. It was haunting me. I couldn't escape. I opened my mouth and tried to scream, but no sound came out. I passed out. So, City's outburst triggered a powerful chain reaction that ripped through the school. Within minutes, students in the other classroom started screaming, their frantic cries ricocheting through the halls. One girl fainted after claiming she had seen a dark figure. Classroom doors slammed shut and Katira National Secondary School in Kelatan as panicked teachers and students barricaded themselves in. The screaming girls were carried out of the classrooms, kicking and screaming. Islamic spiritual healers and in another part of the article they said witch doctors were called to perform mass prayer sessions. By the end of the day, 39 people were deemed to have been affected with the outbreak of mass hysteria. Mass hysteria or mass psychogenic illness as it's also known is a rapid spread of physical symptoms such as hyperventilation and twitching among among a substantial group of people with no plausible organic cause it is a collective stress response prompting an overstimulation of the nervous system says american medical sociologist Mm -hmm. and author robert bartholomew think (laughs) of it as software a software problem The mechanisms behind mass hysteria are often poorly understood and it is not listed in the DSM, which is the National Manual of Mental Disorders. Uh But psychiatrists like Dr Simon Wesley from King's College Hospital in London view it as a collective behaviour. The symptoms experienced are real, fainting, palpitations, headaches, nausea, shaking and even fits. It is often um, attributed to a medical condition but for which no conventional biomedical explanation can be found. There's a lot of big words in here. So yeah, yeah. Sorry about okay. that. No, <laughs> um, and transmission, he adds, is largely, largely due to psychological and social fa- um, factors. Outbreaks have been recorded around the world with cases dating back to nearly 
as um, early as the middle ages and like I'm probably everyone at home I was thinking of like the crucible that's what I was gonna say like the crucible yeah. like the mass hysteria that affected and everyone mm. was like fainting and like ah! yeah yeah um Incidents in Malaysia were particularly prevalent among factory workers during the 1960s. Today, it largely affects children in schools and dormitories. So it, like, oh. keeps happening. Robert Bartholomew spent decades researching the phenomenon in Malaysia. He calls it the Southeast Asian country, the mass hysteria capital of the world. Wow. That's so it weird. Is, and it's because it's, well, not because, but they think uh-huh. it's because it's a deeply religious and spiritual country where many people, especially from the rural and conservative states, believe in the powers of traditional folklore and the supernatural. Yeah. Um, and I think I explain more further on. <laughs> Okay. Uh, but the issue of hysteria remains a sensitive one. In Malaysia, cases have involved as adolescent girls from the Malay Muslim ethnic majority more than any other group. Uh-huh. In early 2016, mass hysteria took hold across many schools in the state. Officials could not handle the multiple outbreaks and shut all of the schools. Whoa. Um, okay. He in a TV... Oh, sorry, he is Ferdos Hassan, who's a TV reporter, <laughs> yeah. um, and his cameraman, Chia Chi Lin, Remember a febrile atmosphere that April. It was mass hysteria season and the cases were happening nonstop, spreading from one school to another. Wow. That's so weird. <laughs> mass hysteria season. It's yeah. Just, what I the find f- that funny. How is that, like, a thing? It's mass hysteria <laughs> season, ladies. Get ready. Everyone, come on. Let's get pumped for it. Okay. Put your sunscreen on. <laughs> get your bucket hat on, Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah we're ready to go (laughs) one case in the near town nearby town of Penglikan Chefa attracted a significant media attention students and teachers were described as in reports as being possessed after seeing a dark shadowy figure lurking around the compound about a hundred people were affected and there's a photo of the figure online behind like like I'm gonna look it up right now let me look it up I think it's what would I search um I'll just send you the picture because I've got it here. Okay. Pink nail. Oh, I got it. I got it. You got it? Yeah. Wait. (laughs) Um. Hmm. It just looks like a guy standing in the hall. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's something ominous. Hmm. But it's just, it looks like it could just be like, it looks like a fucking like oil painting. (laughs) (laughs) The, The like whole like scene. Um, okay, that's creepy. Yeah, that is pretty creepy. Anyway, um, keep going. So, back to the original story. Yeah. Um, Siki said that it all started when her friend saw an old woman standing near some tree stumps. She herself couldn't see the woman, but her friend's reactions were very, very real. And Malaysia's fascination with ghosts date back to the centuries and is deep-rooted in shamanic tradition and Southeast Asian folk mythology. Children grew up hearing stories about dead infants called toyo, invoked by shamans using black magic and other tar- terrifying vampiric, mm-hmm. vampiric, vampiric, vampiric ghosts, I think. Vampiric ghosts yeah. like the Pontian Ak and Penangalan, um, which are vengeful, powerful female spirits that feed on the living. Trees and burial sites are common settings for these eerie tales and locations Mm. stoke fears that feed into superstitious beliefs. Yeah. It sounds like the kind of perfect, like if you've been told from when you're very little, like there are these spirits and this is like, this is real and everything and this is a thing that's going to happen. Like I feel like you're bound to have experiences Mm. relating to it. But it's just like how does so many schools like, how do they have these hysteria reactions they've closed hundreds of schools across the country because of this yeah i don't know like it's so it's really strange like how does that happen to tons and tons of people do you think it's real do you think the spirits are i think they are i think they're definitely there are places where there are that is a lot more spiritual than like other places like I feel like, you know, like, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I don't know because I don't really have any experiences. But, like, I I know um, in Indonesia because my parents, we've spent a lot of time in, like, um, in Bali. Uh, My parents have been going there from when they were really young, from when they were, like, 20 or something. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, my dad has, and he, my dad has lived there off and on for a few years. Yeah. Um, I remember when and, dad lived there. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, he lived there for a couple, uh, for like a year or maybe a bit longer when I was at school. Um, yeah, so like, like I always have, he knows a lot about like the, the culture and stuff. And like in Bali, like it's the, the spirits and like the spirit culture is so like intense, like, and so many people that I know have had experiences with spirits. I actually have a terrifying spirit story that Mm -hmm. I, that I could, I could tell you. Um, you can tell me right now because my story pretty much just ends here. Okay, so you um, want to finish it, and I'll tell you it at the end. And I kind of I didn't even don't have really all the details. I didn't finishing. Um, I'll just show you. I just, I just said I didn't end like with a punchy. I feel like usually I end with like a, and that's oh, the yeah, story. Like, boom, but boom. my, <laughs> but yeah. my ending is just similar outbreaks have also been reported in Catholic convents and monasteries across Mexico, Italy, and France, in schools in Kosovo, and even among cheerleaders in rural North Carolina. Oh. Yeah, That's and each case is unique. The cultural context is different and hence the form varies, but it ultimately remains the same phenomenon and research argue that the impact of strict strict conservative cultures are those mm. affected by mass hysteria. Mm. I was going to say it's interesting because they're all like groups of people, like like little cults, like cheerleaders or like, you know, yeah. where you're spending time really close with people so you're like well, very influenced by the people around was- you. Yeah, I think it was mainly like schoolgirls. Um, yeah, and the, like I was reading the article. This guy, I cut out a lot because this guy was just annoying me because he was talking about how women are just hysterical <laughs> and stuff, and I was like, Meh, even though the oh, article was about mass hysteria. Off. Yeah, but I was like, but it doesn't Shut matter. Up. No, we're not. I hate when people say. Um, <laughs> no, we're not. Okay. <laughs> no, we're not. Shut up. <laughs> Get hysterical about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, tell the ghost story. Okay, so I can't actually remember it totally, mm-hmm. but oh my god, it was so fucked up. Yeah. So, like I said, so I, I have we have a lot of like friends and like um like close people that live in um in Bali and in Indonesia and have lived mm-hmm. there for a long time. Like I I don't really like saying it because I you know I feel a bit bad because I think everyone's like. You know when people are like, yeah, no, like I, I used to go to Bali. Like it's just like one of those places that so many like white people go and it's yeah. like really shit. Like it's not good that like I know I have lots of people that I know that live there. But, you know, ultimately like it's not the best to be going to living in those places when it's so overcrowded. But anyway, um, we do know a lot of people. And like I said, my parents have been going there for like years and years from when there were like no tourists in like not, or very little like Western um westerners living and going there so yeah like the the culture is just like so interesting like with the spirits and like the way that like they uh deal with them like they have it's called nippy and mm-hmm. um it's this day where they like you're not oh actually i think it might be like 48 hours or maybe 24 or 48 hours i'm not sure and you're not allowed to use any electricity or lights so the whole island is like it's illegal to use the lights like you will get arrested and you're mm-hmm. not allowed to walk around at night and you just have to basically just stay inside for the night or the the, the days that it goes on for and like you can I think I think you can use candles um but no like electricity or anything and the whole point is that they do it every year so that the spirits the evil spirits that come to the island they get lost in the dark they can't see Bali and so they they leave and so it the darkness it gets rid wow, of the spirits so because cool. they can't see yeah and it's like it's national like the whole country has to do it like i said you'll get in so much trouble if you don't you know you don't um wow respect it and do it yeah it's really cool so they have like a very like the government is literally like guys the spirits we got to we got to make sure they're not you know coming around mm-hmm. here so <clears throat> it's very like validated there like it's part of the culture um, and the law. So basically my friend, I don't know if I'll say the names because they might not want me to, but, um, <clears throat> I have a friend who she's a bit older than me. She's a couple of years older than me. She's like in her twenties. Uh, but we grew up together in Noosa and we used to hang out and my mum is really good friends with her mum. And basically they lived in a house. So it was like her mum, the daughter who is like a bit older than me, um, and like there, um, they lived 
in a house. I think maybe with her dad as well. And they also have like uh, a pambantu. So like most houses in Bali, in villas, they have like um, staff that work at the house. Like it's not like, it sounds like a really rich thing, but like most people have it. And like a lot of like Indonesian families have them as well. And they're called pambantus and they just come and like, they sometimes they like make food and they basically just like like they're like gardeners and stuff they do cleaning and like just maintenance for the villas um and they refill the like um the offerings and stuff for the for the spirits and the gods and everything Mm -hmm. and um yeah so they had a pamban too and like she was um apparently like really 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 like obsessed with um the girl um I don't know if I should say her name. Like, do you think that's not okay? Just call her Wendy. Wendy. That's just so, um, like, <laughs> not, like, the name. But, yeah, okay. She's really obsessed with Wendy. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, she, like, was just, like, constantly, like, all over her and was just like, oh, my God, I love you and everything. And, like, you know, like, it, was, I think, seemed, like, nice as well. Like, she was just, like, a very, like, very loving, like, kind of motherly figure. But then mm-hmm. she started to just get, like, it was really intense, like too much. And she was really, really obsessed with her. And she was got really, really like possessive over her and didn't like when um, her mum was around and was just like Ooh. wanted to be like her mum and was like oh, really, no. really full on. I feel like I want to ask my mum, do you think I should? Because she has this, like, she's the one that told me the story and it was so mm-hmm. good. And I feel like I'm not doing it justice. Can I, I'll be back in a second. Is that all right? Um, my mum can't remember either, but (laughs) I can just, I can just do my best. Is it playing? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just, just kind of try and say, summarize what I remember. So basically like they also had a really good friend. Okay. So they had a friend, um, I can't remember her name. She was Balinese and she like worked with the mum. And she Mm -hmm. was studying to be, like, a shaman, basically. Like, I'm not sure what the equivalent is, but I think, like, that's what she was studying to be. And Mm -hmm. her dad is, like, like a Balinese priest, like a shaman priest person, like a spiritual person. Yeah. And they cleanse, like, houses and they get rid of spirits and they do all that sort of stuff. Um, And she was studying to be one. And she said, like, when she went into um, the mum and Wendy's house, Mm -hmm. she just said she felt like really overwhelming like evil and negative energy and it was when like the pambantu was there the lady Uh um and like she like had this very strange feeling and then she said one day she was there alone I this is what I think she was there alone and I remember like the description was so fucked she said she was there and she was cutting fruit and she had this feeling like that there was someone else in the room and she looked over and she said she saw this spirit and it was like this woman and she said it was really scary and it was really tall and it had really long hair like all over its face and down and she said it just like screamed and it moved across the floor like hovering like you know like just like on roller skates straight across and she like was just like no and like ran out or something and she said it was like this she saw this just disgusting demon and I think that the mom as well had seen it or had like these experiences with this demon and um and then she said like it's like the Pambantu like she's like she has very bad energy and all this stuff and she was getting really really obsessed with Wendy and like really mm-hmm. like over the top and like start and then was like come with me I want to take you to my home and like they ended up just going like no sorry like something just didn't feel right like it just was like no I don't think this is a good idea and then they found out and I can't remember how but I think that like they had the spirit like um, the priest go and like find out about her and then they oh actually I think they didn't I think they just realized her energy was really bad and then the um the woman who was studying to be a priest said like oh I I think that um she was trying to um take Wendy to sacrifice Mm. her (gasps) and yeah and she was like and it was like this thing so she said like this is her behavior like she has like very evil like and the way she was talking about things and she wanted her to come to her house and she was like she was going to she was probably going to try and sacrifice you Oh um, my god. Yeah. Like what the fuck? 
And so, like, they did a whole cleansing in the house because they felt like that she had brought, like, evil, yeah. evil spirits in and everything. And it's just, like, so full on. And, yeah, they're, like, our friends that, like, the girl I grew up with. How cool. She was going to be sacrificed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know, like, whether it was actually true, but, like, it's, like, or if that was actually going to happen. But the lady yeah. who was studying to be, like, a shaman as well, she was like, yeah, no, like, that's probably what it was. That was sacrifice. That was like yeah, the red flag for sacrifice. Love, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, how fucked up. Like, but yeah, it's interesting. Like the, the different places have like more, I think are more in touch with spirits. And I always wonder as well, like my mom always said to me, like, if you really want to see spirits, I think that you will see them. Like if that's mm, something that is yeah. really in your mind and your like culture and everything, you will have experiences. I think it's very similar yeah. with religious people. Like, Yes, if you really definitely. believe in God, you will find things to be like, God exists because this happened or I saw God, exactly. or, you know, like that's just how yeah. it works. I think psychologically, whether or not you actually are seeing these things, I don't know. Oh, it's the same as if you think you're beautiful, you see yourself as you, beautiful. Whereas if you, you think you're ugly, you're, you see yourself yeah. as ugly. It's and you that exude, kind of thing. even if you're not like physically, like, you know, um, those like physically fulfilling like beauty standards or whatever if you're like oh I'm beautiful and you act like you're a beautiful person then people will still see you like that even exactly if, no matter really how you look yeah it's hard to be like that's that. fun to take home ladies <laughs> yeah little tip ladies you. <laughs> I think you need to just work on that if you believe that you are beautiful you will be beautiful and on that note Thanks for listening, guys. Oh, that was a nice ending. Aww. Uh, we had cannibalism. We had mass hysteria. We Spirits. had beauty, beauty talk. Beauty advice. Beauty advice. Self, Thank you. What's it called? Self-affirmation. Self Self-love. Self-love. And a little bit of sacrifice as well. Mm-hmm. Just, just put that Always got to have that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This was well, interesting. Yeah. This is a good one. I like it. Yeah, I think before. this was fun. Yeah. What the fuck, okay. guys? Were you guys like, what the fuck? What the fuck? They're probably like, oh, what the fuck are we listening what the to? Fuck! Why the fuck do we listen to these people? What the fuck? Why are they still <laughs> recording podcasts? Why are they still talking? Like, no one's yeah, even why listening. Why are they here? Hello? Anyone? <laughs> Hello? Anyone? Is there anyone there? No. If there's you anyone there, there you can us. follow us on um, Instagram, <laughs> oh, yeah. Team Spirits Podcast. Great segue. You, oh I know. God. I was really proud of myself. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, follow us. Um, you can also... Email us at Team Spirits Podcast. Yeah. Do you have any experiences com. of being sacrificed? Like, We'd love we want to hear them. about it. We yeah. want to hear them. Andy that would be actually awesome. from work had a story. Um, Ooh. That, uh, he has got many stories. Apparently, his childhood home was haunted. So <gasps> I've told him that he yes. needs to tell us so that we can record them. Yes. Cool. <laughs> so excited. Okay. Well, we'll have something hopefully for you next week with a new theme yes. that is very unique and interesting. And yeah, thank you for we tuning think about in. Them as soon as we hang up. <laughs> yes, we'll do it. We'll we'll plan something out for you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. Thanks again for watching. We will Thanks. see you <laughs> watching. <next week>. Well, <laughs> thank you very much for listening we will be back next week next week bye bye bye